Hey, this is Dr. Eric, and I just want to let you know about my gut healing bundle for those with thyroid and autoimmune thyroid conditions. This includes SMT Probio, which is a probiotic with 18 well-researched strains, Enzymes Plus, which not only includes digestive enzymes, but betaine, HCL, and ox bile, and SMT GI Restore, which is a stevia-free formulation that has multiple nutrients and herbs that have been proven to help support the healing of the gut. To learn more about this, you can visit guthealingbundle.com. Hey, this is Dr. Eric. And in this Q&A episode, I am going to answer questions from multiple people. And I'll probably be doing this every few months. So if you have a question you'd like me to answer in the future, please send an email to info at naturalendocrinesolutions.com. I can't promise that I'll answer all questions, but I'll try my best to answer questions I think will be relevant to a lot of the listeners and probably will answer four or five questions during these calls. So let's start out with Lisa Ann. She starts out by saying, thank you, Dr. Eric. I find your Facebook lives and podcasts invaluable. Although I know you cover diet a great deal, I always appreciate learning more about food. Also, I always appreciate learning more about stress and how to control anxiety. And lastly, I am interested in learning more about how to overcome muscle weakness. I think you and I lost about the same amount of weight. So she lost 45 pounds. I actually lost 42 pounds. Perhaps what exercises could build back strength. So again, I do cover a lot of this on some of my podcast episodes, Lisa Ann. So I would definitely refer to some of those episodes, which I know you do. I have one on anxiety. I do have some on stress and food. So check those out. I will say as far as overcoming muscle weakness and building back strength, building back muscle mass. Again, I do speak about this in some of the episodes. I have an episode on exercise and an episode actually that talks about muscle weakness and losing muscle mass. And so with hyperthyroidism, you definitely want to increase the thyroid hormone levels. That's This is very common with hyperthyroidism. Regardless if someone has hyperthyroidism or Hashimoto's and they're trying to gain back muscle mass, you want to, of course, make sure you're eating healthy, eating a good amount of protein. And then I, I recommend resistance exercise. And when dealing with hyperthyroidism, I am cautious about having people overexert themselves, but I do recommend resistance exercise just because many people with hyperthyroidism lose muscle mass. I mean, I, I recommend resistance exercise really for everyone, not just hyperthyroidism, but I'm just specifying hyperthyroidism just because it's very common. Again, you lost 45 pounds. I lost 42 pounds. And a, a lot of that weight is muscle that we lose when we're dealing with hyperthyroidism. There could be other factors causing muscle weakness but in this case, I'm assuming it's related to the hyperthyroidism, but there are other factors, nutrient deficiencies, infections, you know, could result in weakness. But again, definitely refer to the episodes. And again, this is the first time I'm doing this type of call, but what I'll try to do, I'll try to remember to put in the show notes links to those episodes. For those who want to check out the show notes, it's at savemythyroid.com and then just click on podcast to get access to the different podcast. All right. And then let's see. So this next question is from Debbie. Have you run across Hashimoto's thyroiditis patients developing granuloma annulare 
which is a skin condition. So her question is also what would be causing this and how to seize this as the look of the red blotches on one's legs is depressing. So again, granuloma, annulare, it's a skin condition, very commonly associated with autoimmune conditions. I can't say that most people with Hashimoto's and or Graves have this condition, but a lot of people do have skin conditions. I've written numerous articles on different skin conditions. I interviewed Dr. Julie Greenberg on the podcast. She doesn't specifically talk about this condition, but she talks about the gut, improving gut health, which relates to the immune system, extremely important. So that would be the number one thing I would focus on is just improving the health of the gut and just improving the immune system health. And so let's move on to the next question from Betsy. So I enjoy your one question quickie podcast, very helpful and packed with information. So here's a question for you. I know that it is best to have your thyroid levels tested before taking your meds, for example, in the early morning. Does that mean that the TSH level could be a bit higher since it might be about 24 hours or more since the thyroid meds were last consumed? So yeah, if you're going a longer period of time, in this case, it sounds like you have hypothyroidism Hashimoto's. So if you go 24 hours between taking thyroid hormone replacement, then yeah, like if you took the thyroid hormone replacement right before the blood test, it would affect the TSH and the thyroid hormone levels. And that's why they recommend not to do that. They want to see what it looks like, ideally 24 hours. I mean, there are some people that'll take it the night before, but most people will take it first thing in the morning. And then another question by Betsy also, should one avoid taking minerals and or vitamins before the test? Because there are some that could interview with test results. She puts in parentheses, maybe biotin. Yeah, so I actually have a podcast episode where I talk about biotin. And yeah, you, you want to avoid biotin. I would say the research it differs at least three days. If you really want to play it safe, seven days. It also probably depends on how much biotin. I mean, if you're only taking a couple of hundred micrograms, that's in a multivitamin. It's probably not going to be as bad as taking 5,000 micrograms as an individual biotin supplement. But Again, I did bring that up. I'll put the link in the show notes for the biotin episode. But with other minerals, I'll be honest, when I get a blood draw, I don't take anything. I don't eat anything. I, even if it's not required to fast, I always do it in the morning fasting, and I don't take any supplements before doing the blood draw. A lot of things is supposedly fine to take before doing the blood draw, but just because it's not in the research that certain minerals or herbs don't interfere with the blood test results, I still to play it safe. I don't take anything. So that would be my recommendations. Even if it's a blood draw that does not require to go fasting, I would say to do a fasting or if you can't, you know, if you could only get, let's say an afternoon appointment, I wouldn't say to do like an 18 hour fast just for the sake of doing a blood draw. I mean, you could always just take a break from your morning supplements. Again, I would run this by the practitioner who recommended the supplements, assuming a practitioner recommended supplements. I know a lot of people take supplements on their own, but if they were recommended to you, definitely check with the one who told you to take them. All right, and this question here, and I'm not gonna read the entire question, uh, or, well, Actually, I could read the entire question. It's from Melanie, and she asks, what are the five or so most effective ways to maintain healthy thyroid function? 
just to summarize, she was taking thyroid medication for about 23 years, and her TSH was very high, it was 39. She was taking levothyroxine, switched to Nature Throid, and then she followed the GAPS diet, which helps with gut healing. Nature Throid became unavailable, so switched back to levothyroxine and uh, was on a higher dose, uh, 150 micrograms, and her TSH was around 0.4. But then she listened to an interview that I did with Kevin Ellis, the bone coach, and he mentioned a connection between osteoporosis and excess thyroxine levels. So she asked her provider to lower the dose to 137 micrograms, which brought her TSH from about 0.4 to 1.43. And so she liked to try a dosage of 125 micrograms, but she's cautious about reducing the dosage further, which I could understand. Obviously, I can't give recommendations anyway, but and she's not asking for it. She doesn't want her TSH to go too high, really doesn't want it to go above two, which again, I understand and agree. You don't want that TSH to go too high. So she just essentially would like to learn of other strategies that could boost her body's production of thyroid hormone other than like healing the gut. So what else can you do? So definitely incorporate the basics. I mean, you mentioned gut healing through the GAPS diet. So diet is one factor. Stress is another one. So just blocking out time for stress management, improving your stress handling skills, getting sufficient sleep. I know these are basics, but they're important. A lot of people overlook the basics. Stress management relates to adrenals. So having healthy adrenals could make a big difference. And again, sleep also, getting sufficient sleep will help with adrenal health, reducing one's toxic load, definitely important. Just we live in a toxic world. So trying to do as much as you can as far as minimizing your exposure to environmental toxins and doing things to increase elimination. And again, I do have some episodes that discuss this. I know one of them is Dr. Wendy Chubot. She has actually a book called Dirty Girl, and there's a number of different books as well. But definitely check out that podcast episode. And also there's articles on my website, naturalendocrinesolutions.com as well. So those are some of the things that come to mind. When someone works with me, I also usually recommend testing to try to find triggers, underlying imbalances, because a lot of times we need to go beyond diet and lifestyle. So that's something to keep in mind. I mentioned adrenals. So a lot of times I'll do adrenal testing and yeah, I'll do blood testing too, sometimes gut testing, like hair mineral analysis testing, some controversy over hair testing, but I like hair testing. And speak of hair testing, correcting nutrient deficiencies. And again, hair analysis isn't just about minerals and I don't rely completely on hair testing for minerals, but I guess just because I brought that up, you want to correct nutrient deficiencies, which of course, healing the gut's important. If you don't have a healthy gut, you're not gonna get optimal digestion and absorption so those are things that come to mind, and I cover a lot of different areas on the podcast. I mean, just things like stored trauma, traumatic brain injury. Again, I'm not saying that that applies to everybody, but sometimes we overlook things, and I know I have overlooked things that could play a role as well. Okay, so this will be the last question I answer from Joanne. I was diagnosed with Graves' disease in 2021. For close to a year, my T4 and T3 were in the normal range and TSH was still undetectable. Now the TSH is still below normal, but measurable. But my T4 is now at the very low end of normal. T3 is still in the middle of the normal range. What does it mean if this happens and how should I go about working on both? Continue raising my TSH and keeping T4 and T3 in normal range. 
So typically with hyperthyroidism, so you're diagnosed with Graves' disease, it takes a while for that TSH to increase. And I do have a podcast episode on that topic. How long does it take for the TSH to increase? Just because it takes a while usually. But usually once we start seeing that increase, a lot of times it could be months undetectable, but once we see that TSH starting to increase, usually it's just a matter of time before it gets within the normal range. So if your T4 is at the lower end of normal and T3 is in the middle of the normal range, chances are TSH is going to be within range soon. I mean, everybody's different and can't make any guarantees, but if you're taking antithyroid medication, you could certainly talk to your medical doctor, let's say an endocrinologist has prescribed it and talk about reducing dose. But oftentimes they won't want to do that until the TSH is over one. Sometimes they won't want to do it unless if it's a little bit on the higher side, like a two or three. I mean, sometimes I want to wait until it's overtly hypo, but speak with the endocrinologist. Even if you stay on the same dosage of, let's say, methimazole, or if you're on bugleweed and you stay on the same dosage of that, I would still work on doing things. Hopefully, the reason for these changes is because you've been doing things to improve your health, like changing your diet and stress management. If not, I definitely would encourage you to do that. But yeah, this is a good sign. It's a good sign that TSH is now measurable and not completely undetectable. And T4 being on the lower side, maybe you're experiencing some hypo symptoms, maybe not because T3 is the active form of thyroid hormone and that's still in the middle range. But yeah, like if someone was under my care and they're doing things to improve their health, diet, stress management, I mentioned with another question, doing some testing and maybe we find some triggers underlying imbalances. I would encourage the person I'm working with to keep on doing what you're doing because that's a good sign. That's what we want to see. And it wouldn't be a surprise, again, with the next blood test or maybe the one after that where you see TSH looking better. I will say this, you probably don't want to wait too long before retesting the TSH. So if your next blood test is scheduled for like two or three months, you might want to move it up a little bit because at this point now, it could start increasing quickly. Since your T4 is on the lower side, you don't want to be hypo. You don't want it to keep on decreasing, even though T3 is looking good within the normal range. So I hope that answered your question and hope that answered everyone else's questions. And I appreciate you emailing questions. And again, I apologize for not getting to all questions, but I will try my best to get to questions that are relevant to a lot of people. As I mentioned in the beginning, I don't want to answer questions that will only benefit, let's say, one or two listeners, just because, again, I want people to be listening to the podcast. And if I just answered random questions, I will say, I know not everybody's on Facebook Live, but I have events where on Zoom where there's opportunities to ask me questions. So this podcast isn't the only time where you could ask me questions. If you're on my email list, you'll get note of events, live events, many of which are free, not all of them, but I do a lot of free events and I do some Facebook Lives. And sometimes I'll do random calls on Zoom as well. So just if there's something that is just not relevant to most people, it might be best to ask me during one of the live events. That being said, hope you learned a lot from the answers to these questions. And as usual, I look forward to catching you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Save My Thyroid podcast. 
If you haven't done so already, make sure you hit subscribe to stay up to date on the latest thyroid health-related topics. And to get your free thyroid and immune health restoration action points checklist, visit SaveMyThyroidChecklist.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. I want to let you know about a product called Hepatomune Supreme, which is a unique supplement that has a rare combination of N-acetylcysteine, also known as NAC, milk thistle, and schisandra to support the liver. And it also has a few mushrooms that can help support the immune system, including cordyceps, which has both immune modulating and adaptogenic properties and is great for those with Graves' disease and Hashimoto's. To learn more about Hepatomune Supreme, visit SaveMyThyroid.com forward slash liver support.